Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. tonight. Let us see it so clear. Let us see it so clear, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that every born-again person in this place, everyone who's asked Jesus to be Lord, who've asked the forgiveness of sins and asked the Lord to come and make their life new, that they would have ears to hear and eyes to even see tonight what the Spirit of God wants to reveal to us. And Lord, for anyone here who do not They just do not have the Lord in their heart yet. I pray that the Spirit of God would convict them tonight that they need the Savior that they're going to hear about. And so, Father, whatever you're doing in each of our lives, we ask you to make it so powerful and real tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Go to Colossians 1. I'm going to start in verse 9. I'm doing about 10 different places in the Bible. So, From the day in which we heard, we do not cease praying on your behalf, and asking that you may be filled with the full knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, for you to walk worthy of the Lord, to be all-pleasing, bearing fruit in every good work, growing into the full knowledge of God, being empowered with all power according to the might of his glory, to all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has made us fit for a share of the inheritance of the saints in light, who delivered us out of the authority of darkness, You have been delivered out of the authority of darkness. Okay? He's delivered us out of the authority of darkness. How many in here, well, you can just say, how many in here are born again believers? You know God is in your heart. If not, you can get out of the authority of darkness. So if you're a born again believer, according to God's word, which is truth, okay? Settle this right now. If God lives inside of you, then you will understand that this word is truth. Before God lived inside of you, you could argue about this word. You could make up things about it. You could, I don't know who you think you are to think that you're so great that you can change God's word or try to interpret it based on your experience instead of believing it for what it says. It's God's word. There's already the Holy Spirit in you if you're born again believer so that you know that that's true. So we're already seeing here in Colossians that this walk of growing in Christ is going to bring us to full knowledge, which means we don't have it yet. And it's a process of getting to full knowledge of Christ. We're changing. We're being empowered. But something God wants you to know right off in this journey, you have already been delivered out of the authority of darkness and translated us. We are now translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. We are in a different kingdom than anyone in this world who has not been born again by the spirit of God. 
It doesn't matter what religion. It doesn't matter how they discuss this belief or that belief. We are the only ones, those who are any person who's been born again by the Spirit of God and God's Spirit lives inside of you. And he's now taken authority and being in charge in your life. He has placed, see, the king is inside of you. That makes you in the kingdom. The king is inside of you. That makes you one of his servants. That makes you his child. That puts you in the kingdom. The king is inside of you. If the king isn't inside of you, it doesn't matter what your brain believes. If the king is not inside of you, you're not in the kingdom. Now, if the king is inside of you, you have been taken out of the authority of Satan and darkness. Okay? You have been taken out of that. How did you get out of that? The king lives inside of you. How did the king get inside of you? Well, you can find it all over scripture. If the king, he only got in because you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You knew you were a sinner. You knew you needed a savior and you wanted Jesus. You found out he was real and you really realized you want God in your life and you want him in charge of your life. And you surrender to that revelation and you surrender to that, that. And the only way you could get there is the Holy Spirit drawing you there. You didn't do it on your own. You have nothing to do with it. So quit being so puffed up that you're saved and somebody else isn't saved. Quit trying to hit him over the head with how great you are and begin to die enough to who you are before Christ so that they can see Christ in you and then they'll want him. Very few people are not going to want him if they see him. There are those who won't. God's not really interested in the ones who don't want him. He just wants the ones to see him so they can choose which kingdom they want to be in. Now most of us can say, okay, the word really says that I've been taken out from the authority of Satan. Does everybody see that? Does everybody agree with that? Yes. Therefore, the things that Satan brings when he is Lord, when he is the God of this world, the things that he has brought because of his demonic kingdom, those things should not be in our life, and we should not have the fruit of them. And we should not have to pay the price of sickness, early death, torment, mental illness, poverty. Why? Because they're not in the kingdom of God. The only thing that keeps a born-again believer operating under Satan's authority is where Satan has lied to you and you still believe that lie. And that's called a stronghold. And the only thing that keeps an evil spirit or a strong man in your life after you're born again is that you haven't had the revelation really hit you that you are not under his authority anymore no matter what he did to you in the past, no matter what he said to you, and no matter how horrible your sin was, he is not to be your Lord anymore. He's not to condemn you and be your judge. He's not to tell you what to do. He's not to put you in bondage. He's not to tell you if you're good or if you're bad. He should shut up. Amen. He should shut up. So why are you listening to him and not only listening to him, thinking that his thoughts are yours? Boy, when you think that his thoughts are your thoughts, 
He's got you. Even though God lives inside of you. You need to have your thoughts line up with God's word and what he says, period. And you're to cast down every single imagination, everything that comes into your, your imagination, everything that comes into your ears, everything that doesn't line up, there should be an automatic, that is not in the kingdom of God. That does not apply to me. That does not apply to me. That does not apply to me. He delivered us out of the authority of darkness. I love the way this is worded. And he's translated us into the kingdom of his son of love. So he didn't only take us out. He didn't take us out and leave us dangling without a savior, without somebody to be in authority. He, he didn't leave us to be our own authority. He didn't save you from the devil's authority so you get to be the authority. If you think that's true, guess who still has authority in your life? You're just deceived more. And it's going to get you at some point if you don't get the revelation. God himself pulled you out of the kingdom of darkness, away from Satan being your Lord and God because of his son. And he took you and he put you in Christ. He put you in the kingdom of his son. Wow. Do you get that? It's kind of like... If I choose to change my citizenship and become a citizen of wherever, let's just, somebody pick a place. Somebody pick another country. Now give me a country that's so different than here. Let's say Russia. If I choose to say I'm going to live in Russia because it's such a different. When I go into Russia, my right, and I become a citizen of Russia, do I have does America have authority in my life anymore? Do their laws count anymore? Do their judgments and their punishment system count anymore? If I'm in Russia, and let's say the law is there, if, I, um, if in Russia, and I don't know this to be fact, I'm just picking a place so different. In Russia, can I say I demand my rights for a fair trial if their system says, no, we, we condemn you first. Now, instead of proving that, instead of them having to prove me guilty, I have to prove my innocence. If their system says, you don't get a lawyer, can I say, wait a minute, I demand a lawyer, it's my right. No, because I have a right. If they have a law, let's say, let's say in the Philippines, if I went to, and I became a Philippine citizen, even when I go there to visit, I have to actually sign custom papers to say I will submit to their laws. They don't care what the laws are in America. And they, they have a big sign that says, if you bring drugs into the Philippines, you automatically get death. I think it's death. When is death? If you're selling drugs, you get death. Now, if I'm in the Philippines especially if I become a citizen of the Philippines and I agree with their government and this is where I want to live and make my home and I decide I'm going to sell drugs because, you know, in America, maybe you'll get five years and I really want the money. There's nothing else to do over there. And they catch me doing that. Can I say, wait a minute, you can't kill me. That's not fair. That's not right. Um, you know, in America... You can only give me five years. It was just a little bit. Why? Are you getting this? Because it doesn't matter where you used to live. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you used to live. 
There's no authority there. America has no more authority to help you when you choose. When you choose to leave of your own free will choice. Truthfully, even if you don't choose of your free will choice and somehow you end up with citizenship in one of these nations and they come in and they just take over, you lost your rights. Do you see what I'm saying? These are different kingdom setups. All right. Do you know what we do because of lack of understanding? We actually become citizens by free will choice into the kingdom of God by accepting his son Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We choose that. But in the kingdom of God, he doesn't make you do anything. He wants you to surrender everything and then let him be everything to you. That's the kingdom. But you know what we do? We stay in the kingdom where Satan has authority. And yet we visit the kingdom of God if it's a good service. If I have an hour for praise music while I'm reading my Bible. Some of us even visit him maybe 85% of the time. But when something comes up, we run back into the kingdom of the enemy where he has authority in our life and he torments us. And he keeps sickness on us. And he does these things to us because we still believe he has authority to do that. We believe we have to work our way out of it somehow. Be our own saviors. Be our own deliverer. Be our own healer. Get ourselves out of this mess somehow. I got to get myself out of this mess. You know, let me read the word. Let me try to read the Bible and make it work for me. If you are reading the Bible and making it work for you, you are still under the authority of the enemy. Because the very word that you're using and trying to make it work for you, the Bible itself says, is now a law to you. And a law without the Lord making it come to pass in your life will show you how bad you are and how messed up you are and how impossible it is to be holy. And you will walk around failing and feeling condemned all the time because you took God's word and you put it over into the kingdom of darkness and tried to make it work. And you'll never have peace there. That's not how it works in the kingdom. Okay? We are coming out of the works curse. That's when works came in. All right. We've been delivered out of the authority of darkness. I want you to get that out of the, I am out of the authority of darkness. I'm out of the authority of sickness. I'm out of the authority of poverty. I'm out of the authority of pain. I'm out of the authority of uh, going to hell and punishment. I'm out of the authority of works and trying to please man or God with my work, with, with my own effort. I am out of the authority of overeating. I'm out from under the authority of doing drugs. I'm out of the kingdom of darkness. Satan has no authority to make me do drugs anymore. He has no authority to make me eat and eat, just eat and eat and eat till I'm sick. He has no authority to make me anything. He is out of the picture because I'm not in his kingdom. All right, get this real. Now listen to this. We are delivered out of the authority of darkness. We're translated into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the remission of sins. Through the blood of Christ, our sins don't matter anymore. They're forgiven. 
We didn't do anything. You can't do enough Hail Marys. You can't work hard enough in the church to make up for how you used to be. You can't preach the gospel enough for people to begin to see you're not who you, you weren't before. Your effort means nothing in the kingdom of God. Your effort is filthy rags. Because you don't need it. It can't work. It was all taken care of by Jesus. Do you know how hard that is for us to really believe? Because the enemy tries to keep us under the curse. Listen to this. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the remission of sins, we're in Colossians 15. Who, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For all things, all things were created in him. The things in the heaven, the things on the earth in the heavens, the things on the earth, the visible and the invisible, the natural things that you can see with your eyeballs, and the supernatural things that you can't, such as angels and demons and whatever there is. Every single thing that was ever created was created in Christ. Everything. Satan is not anybody. He is not a creator. He has deceived us. He has made us think he's more powerful than he is. He has made us think that he can do all these horrible things. And truthfully, all he does is pervert and use what God has created. And God even uses Satan to reveal who you, who, your heart. To find out who really wants God. So everything he made. Listen to this. He made the thrones, the lordships, the rulers, the authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's not like running around going, oh, I can't believe the devil did that. Oh, I can't believe he can do that. He is everything. And you've got to get into a higher place in revelation to understand how awesome this is and how freeing. Because in a low place of revelation, you're blaming him for things. Well, why didn't he stop the devil? He did. And he even gave you authority to. But why did he ever create him? Because he wanted to have uh, Lucifer in heaven leading worship and all. He wasn't afraid of rebellion. God's not afraid of rebellion. He knew when Lucifer rebels, he'll use it. He'll use it for a long time in history until that season's over, and then who knows what's next. God is not at all fighting the devil or afraid of the devil or has ever really been at any kind of fierce war with the devil. He defeated him, took care of him. He took care of rebellion. It was not difficult Jesus is before all things, and all things have subsisted in him. He is the head of the body, the assembly, who is the beginning, the firstborn out of the dead, and he has preeminence in all things because all the fullness was pleased to dwell in him. All the fullness of God himself was in Jesus Christ. been given grace by God, not of his own, to do this thing. The Holy Spirit in him, guiding him, leading him, revealing things to him, showing him things. And the whole purpose is to see that person become all that God has for them to be for God's glory. 
And that brings them into that deeper friendship and peace and that place of glorifying God. And what does it do? It takes them, it, ta- it destroys and undoes the evil works of the enemy that is still affecting their mind. See, there are things that's still affecting your mind that aren't even happening to you anymore. Right? There are things that aren't even happening to you anymore that are still affecting your mind. That's how powerful Satan's devices of what he does is to impact your mind. If you were raped, the rape is not still happening. But the impact that it had on your mind is still affecting you unless you see that Satan doesn't have the authority to do that any longer. He doesn't have the authority to hurt you anymore. He doesn't have the authority to put you down. He doesn't have the authority to curse you. He doesn't have the authority to criticize you. He doesn't have the authority to judge you. He doesn't have the authority anymore. But those works that Satan did, those evil works that have affected your mind, make his fear and his control and his authority still operating in your life unless you get the revelation that that is your past and it's over. And you forgive every person that Satan used to give you that past, including yourself. And you really enter into the kingdom of light. That even means works of being so smart. That means works of trying to outdo everybody and be friendly and spend lots of money and, and eat a lot of food. It's not just the people who murder or alcoholics and these things that everybody can look at and say, oh, that's bad. It's all the good things that Satan has you doing because of the bondage in your mind. That's why it's so much more difficult for self-righteous people who seem to have it all together to get a revelation of how much they need a Savior to take them out of the authority of Satan because they think that it's not Satan's authority operating those gifts in their life. But the bondage and the self-credit and the self-absorption and the selfishness actually proves that it was still the work of Satan. That's why it's a tree of good and evil. All right, now let's go. And I want you to see this too. This also shows very clearly that part of ministry is Paul laboring, spending time, pouring out by the power of God working in him to cause people to understand who they are in Christ and to help them get free from the, the works of the enemy, okay? It's very clear here, isn't it? It's very clear that Paul is doing that. We need to get free, and then God's going to use each of us to do that because we're going to be led by the Spirit to help other people get free. That is the ministry of reconciliation. That's the ministry of, I want you to be that friend to God. I want to reconcile you into relationship with God. This thing is in the way of that. By his spirit, he's going to help us get rid of that thing. So I want you to really look at this when we go into some things in a minute, especially the part where Christ is in us. Okay, Christ in us. It's the hope of glory. When I get saved because of the cross and I become, and I'm entering into a relationship or friendship with God. That's what happened when you got saved. It wasn't that your sins were forgiven. That's not the focus of salvation. The focus of salvation is, God, God loves me. And now, 
wow, I'm in his kingdom. I have an inheritance. I'm the righteousness of Christ. He lives inside of me. It's a whole new world. <laughs> it's a whole new existence. It's beyond a new world. It's a whole new kingdom. It's a higher revelation that never ends for all eternity. Wow. And Satan doesn't really have a part in it if you really get a hold of the revelation. And this is what determines your life. And God in you making it real, okay? But he's the hope. He came in. He's the hope of glory. He's the hope inside of you that you will truly be free because now you have a relationship with God. Now he's going to have ministers like he had Paul helping you to grow and mature in that relationship. True ministry is helping someone else grow and mature in their relationship with God and being used by the Holy Spirit to undo this thinking that keeps that person bound to the authority of Satan. All right, let's go to this next scripture. Colossians 2.1, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have concerning you and those in Lysidia, and many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be comforted, being joined together in love to all riches of the full assurance of the understanding to the full knowledge of the mystery of God, even the Father and of Christ. Now, let me just say this. What he's saying here is so important that you understand the love of God. He's saying it's so important that your hearts are comforted, that you can know with all assurance that God's going to bring you to the understanding of the full knowledge of the mystery of God, even of the Father of Christ. He's saying here, God is working a thing where you're going to really know the Heavenly Father. God is working out something in you. Get excited. When you found Christ, it wasn't about your sin. When you found Christ, it was about a relationship, being reconciled into a friendship with God himself, and there's going to come a full knowledge, full revelation. You're going to know God. You're going to understand his ways. You're going to be his child. It's going to be this most exciting thing that's ever happened in your life. Quit dwelling on your sin. Quit dwelling on your past. Come into the kingdom. But Paul says, but I'm struggling with you. I'm helping you get free. I'm helping you understand this friendship and grow in it. I want you to have the full knowledge of the mystery of Christ. God, your friend. God inside of you. God having you know him, even the heavenly father. He says this, and he goes on, he says in verse 3, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In the Father, there's going to be hidden treasures of all wisdom and knowledge. And I see this, that no one uh, beguiles you with persuasive words. I don't want anybody to trick you, he says. For though I am indeed absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing and seeing your order in the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Now look at this again, walk in him. It goes from Christ being in you to you being in Christ, hidden in Christ. How does this happen? He just told us, as you get knowledge of the Father's love for you, as you begin to understand the Heavenly Father and you move into more understanding of God than you've ever known and the revelation gets deeper and deeper, you're going to find yourself walking in Christ. You're going to be hidden in God. You are going, the enemy's only going to see Jesus. You're going to really be like him. It's not going to be by works. It's going to be by relationship. It's going to be by being one with God. Let me keep going to 15. Mm. Okay. As you receive Christ Jesus, walk in him, being rooted, being built up in him. Now, this is a process, right? 
You're getting grounded on who you are in the kingdom, who you are in a relationship with God, how much he loves you, how real this is. You're being rooted there. This is what true ministry does. This is what true ministry does. True ministry is the Holy Spirit empowering someone else to pour into your life. It empowers you to pour into your children's life, to in other people's life. It doesn't have to just be somebody who people think of as a minister. It's the ministry of reconciliation. We all have it. And it's about helping that person get rid of all the wrong thinking the evil works have brought into their mind that they can really be in relationship with God. And in that place of relationship with God, there's, they're going to be built up in who? In Christ. They're going to begin to know who they are in Christ. They're going to begin to know who they are in the kingdom. It's going to be the thing that matters. It's going to be the thing that is so important. Not your sin. Not your failures, not your past. Get your eyes on who you are in Christ. Get your, no, get your eyes on Christ. And then who you are in Christ will begin to be made manifest. It's a whole different kingdom. He goes, listen to this, being rooted, built up in Christ, being confirmed in the faith, even as you were taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. There's going to be teaching. You're going to learn the word. You're going to hear the word. And it's going to make you thankful. You're going to be so thankful for what God has done for you. You're not going to be afraid of God. You're not going to be sitting there thinking you failed and missed it. You're not going to always feel condemned. You're going to sit there and go, I am so thankful I found God. I am so thankful he loves me. I am so thankful for the work he's doing in me. It's painful sometimes to let go of the things the enemy has done. To face them because of the lies of the enemy. But truthfully, there's thanksgiving when you get through that and find out, wow, not... It wasn't that big a deal. It was just a lie. The many people who've run out of here when God started dealing with their stuff and are now struggling in sin, in divorces, in disease, and all kinds of things, not because they left here, but because they ran from the place where God was trying by his anointing and his, as much as we're not perfect yet, any of us are moving in the things of God. He is still faithful even when we're not faithful. And we need to listen and let God change us. Never run away in fear. When that thing you don't want to face hits you in the face, you need to be like David and say, not in my might, but in the might of the Lord. In the might of the Lord, I'm going to face when I was molested. In the might of the Lord, I'm going to face that addiction. In the might of the Lord, I'm going to face my own ugly self. Because it's not me anymore anyway. You're going to see that in a minute. He goes on, okay, he says, okay, so always there should be thanksgiving after you're taught the word. You should understand it. It shouldn't make you feel condemned. It should make you thankful. Watch that there not be one robbing you. Listen to this. Yay. Watch that there not be one robbing you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the things of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and having been filled, you are in him. You are in Christ. My God. God, we're in God. I want you to see yourself. I'm in him. He's not only in me, I am in him. I am, how can you, are you in the kingdom? I'm in him. It says so. The only thing that doesn't let me know that is the stuff the Satan did in my past when I was under his authority, and that's not even in him. <laughs> that couldn't come in. My past could not come in to the king of kings. My sin could not come in. The bad things I did, none of it could come in. I'm going to stay in here. <laughs> I'm staying in here. This is where I'm staying. I am staying in him. How do you stay in him? You keep looking at him. 
You keep doing what he shows you. You keep letting the Holy Spirit be in charge of keeping you in him. You can't keep yourself in him. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Who's bewitched you? What started with the Spirit, you now try to do with your own flesh. That can't work. How many's tired of that? It's just, wow, the kingdom's so different, Lord. Yeah, it's so easy. It's just keep your eyes on Jesus. 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 Let him change you. Let him work in you. Let him do something in you. Let him make it real. Let him make it real. Let him change everything. Let him take everything out. Let him set free. Actually, if you're in them, the stuff is already out. You just don't know it yet. The devil tries to hang in there like he's still there with his ugly little lies in your brain, but he's already gone to hell when you found Christ. For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and having been filled, you are in him. Now, that's the key. You have to be filled with the Spirit to be in him. You have to really get real about this. You have to really keep your eyes on God. You have to stay in the presence of God. You have to stay in that place of infilling. You've got to learn to breathe there, walk there, live there. Oh, wow, Lord. We don't even think that's possible. We like to go visit the kingdom. Oh, Freedom Friday. Going to go Freedom Friday? Let's go, let's go visit in the kingdom. Oh, let's get drunk in the kingdom. Let's play in the kingdom. Oh, got to go out. <laughs> Bye, I'm leaving the kingdom now. I'm going back under the authority of Satan. Misery, depression, bills. What am I going to do? Nobody understands. Oh, my husband won't pay child support. Oh, this, that, and the other. For those who are listening who don't know me, I use, this, I use everybody else's example. So I, I don't get child support. I'm still married to the same person. I don't have any sickness in my body. And whatever else, I've never been an alcoholic or an addict, addicted to anything. But I'm going to tell you, but you learn compassion when other people's pain really becomes yours that you can help them get it to the cross. That's compassion, understanding how horrible Satan really is, but also how great God really is. And bringing that great God into other people's pain. Bringing that great God. I don't want to feel your pain. You know that? I don't want your pain. I just want to bring God into your pain. But I don't want to judge your pain. I can't be haughty about your pain. That, that's no compassion. Then it's just some knowledge that I throw at you. But when I can understand because of where God has shown me me, then I can come and I can relate to what you're going through and I maybe didn't go through it the way you did. I can say, thank you, God, for grace. But at the same time, I can bring the same Jesus who got me through sorrow and grief, the same Jesus who got me through situations, the same Jesus who got me out of situations, the same Jesus who, who's showing me favor. I can, bring, I can help you to believe him and his word so that you can renew your mind, so that you can grab on and believe. And move into the kingdom. It says, um, okay. And having been filled, you are in him. That's key. You have to be filled to be in him. Okay? Now he's in you. The hope of glory. If you're born again, he's in you. But the key to getting in him is being filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled. No wonder the enemy, if he, he, first he doesn't want you born again. But if you get born again, his next weapon is don't let him get filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't let them get filled and enter into Christ. Because they're just a fleshy person proclaiming Jesus if he's just in them. It, it looks nicer than the other. And they'll go to heaven. But all of that puts most people off because they see the filthy rags and they see all the works and they see all the struggle and all the debate and all the mess. But when you're in him, it just flows out. 
who is the head of all rule and authority. He is over everything, folks. There is nothing. When you're in him, when you're in him, Satan absolutely can't touch you. Everybody, you have to be filled. Be in him. Live for him. Stay in that place. And then Satan absolutely can't touch you. And whom also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made by hands in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh, okay, by the circumcision of Christ. Being, okay, circumcision means cutting away. It also, in the Jewish tradition, they were circumcised. There was a special cutting that took place so that that person, the Jew, would be um, set apart for God. And even if they were grown up, <laughs> if, they, if they became, if they embraced the Jewish religion and they truly won't be Jew, you had to be circumcised if you were male. We won't get into all the reasons for that, but it represents a painful cutting away. Jesus Christ paid to cut away the things on your heart that make you so you aren't set apart for God, but you're set apart for the enemy. And then he gives you a new heart. Okay? So there is a process of God taking away those things in your life, putting off of the body the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, being buried with him in baptism, in whom also you raised through the faith of the working of God, raising him from among the dead. So God is saying, when you really find Christ, there comes a revelation of your sin being cut away by what he paid, being taken out of you, being cut away, separated from you, and buried. It went to the grave. Making peace by the blood of his cross, his cross, what he suffered, made peace. It's the only peace you'll ever have. There was no peace before the cross and after the fall. To reconcile all things to himself. He was putting everything back in the proper order that God had already said it was going to be. And the beginning of reconciliation for the fallen world was the cross. The beginning of reconciliation for the fallen you is when you find the cross. It's the beginning of reconciliation. Everything getting back where it belongs. Through him, whether the things on the earth or the things in the heavens. Jesus Christ came to put everything in the earth back the way it's supposed to be. How the Father wants it. And you then being alienated and hostile in your mind by evil works. He's now reconciled you. So where does sin, your, the sin nature is in you. What's sin nature? We talked about this before. It's after the fall, now Satan could get into man. Before he couldn't. Demons couldn't get into to Adam and Eve before the fall. The sin nature means the very nature of the enemy can live in you now. And it is your mind where these works originate. That's why I'm telling you, it's just a lie that keeps you bound. It's a lie that you have that causes you to commit sin. Hidden sins of masturbation, blatant sins 
of rebellion and lying, egotistical sins of haughtiness and pride, self-righteousness, all of these originate in your mind. They're not because of someone else. They're because of thoughts that you took into your mind. And yes, a lot of them came there because of what the enemy did using someone. A lot of them came there just because of your little brain trying to figure things out. And you figured it out wrong. Some of it came there straight from religion, straight from wrong teaching and preaching. But the bottom line is this. <laughs> it's your mind. Not Satan. That's your own enemy. If you still are under the authority of Satan. Your own mind is what has made you Satan's pond. Your own mind is what will take you back to darkness. Your own mind is what will keep you sinning. Your own mind is what will continually attack you. No wonder we need the mind of Christ. No wonder the Bible says very clearly, renew your mind, renew your mind, renew your mind. What's renewing your mind? Reading the word and getting it in your mind. Letting it come in, not as something to read, but as truth itself. That's why it's so powerful when Jesus says that he is the word made flesh. His word has power, but not under the law, but in the spirit to come in. Because in this kingdom that we're in now, the rules and the laws are written on your heart. There, it's God inside of you, in your spirit, actually teaching you his ways. I believe with all my heart, if you have God in you, and they take your Bible from you, God would still be able, by the laws written in your heart, to cause you to do things the way that pleases God. How much greater to have the Bible to help guide us and seek the Lord and see the things that are under the authority of Satan so we can hate those things. But I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Once you find Christ, the only part of you that really needs to change is your mind. It's that simple. You can't make it happen. You have to really get the lies out of your mind by the word of God, by the anointing on God's people, by whatever God does, however he shows you to get there. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Sanctification, setting you apart in the kingdom of God to be holy vessels who believe God more than they believe the enemy. <laughs> Devil hates this message. It takes it out of your hands and puts it in your head. And then it causes you to surrender your brain and your thinking to God. It says, um, because all the fullness was pleased to dwell in him, Colossians 1.20, and through Christ, making peace by the blood of his cross to reconcile all things to himself through him, whether the things on the earth or things on the heavens. And you then being... Uh, hostile in your mind by evil works. Now, it's the evil works that Satan has done that has turned you against God and his ways. 
okay? It's the evil works that have come into your life. It's the perversions that have turned you away from being able to believe God, okay? But now, there's a but now, but now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh. Let me look up the word reconciled because that keeps coming up. Sometimes when you go a little bit deeper, you get a, you get a light bulb, you know? You kind of, oh, oh, reconciled. It's such a spiritual sounding word. To restore to friendship, to bring to a state of contentment, quiet submission, to make consistent and harmony, to remove those things that stop the harmony, the renewal of friendships between two parties. Oh, wow. So to be reconciled isn't about cleaning up all your sin. Jesus died not to get sin out of you. Jesus died so that you could become a friend to God. And the minute that you become born again and the Holy Spirit goes in you, you have been reconciled into a friendship with God and into a relationship with God. And the process of that relationship is sanctification, which will make you holy. Do you get that? It's your relationship with Jesus Christ that will cause you to become whole. He didn't die to heal you. He didn't die. He didn't go to the cross to get rid of sin. He didn't go the, he didn't go the cross because of Satan's authority and what Satan had done. He went to the cross so that he could have a relationship with you. And in the process of that relationship, as you fall in love with him, as you recognize you're in his kingdom, he sets you free for freedom's sake. The Bible says for freedom, he sets you free. He just wants you to keep your eyes on him. He wants you to want him. He wants you to fall in love with him. And what happens in that relationship is the Holy Spirit works in you to make you holy because he's holy. And the more time you spend with God, the more you seek after God, the more you fall in love with God, the more God takes away those things that you hate. And you begin to hate what he hates. You know, if you really fellowship with somebody and there's friendship with somebody, you, you kind of begin to come in agreement. You know, it'd be really hard to have a, a marriage where two people didn't agree on the basic things. So quit marrying because of lust, because then all you do is fight because there's no agreement even from the beginning. All that's about is sex. And usually that's a game. So the minute you're married, that's not even fun anymore. Because it's perverted. Won't get into all that. But the people you hang out with and really enjoy are people who agree with you and you agree with them. That's why the Bible says, have, how can you have fellowship with unbelievers? What's there to fellowship about? The more you truly get your eyes on Jesus, the more those friendships just go away. Because all of a sudden you're sitting in a room and you're not interested in what was on the soap opera. You don't care about uh, what they did at the bar last night. It's not like this stance, I can't be around you because you're evil and I'm not. It's more of a, I don't like being with you anymore. There is something 
very wrong in the heart of a believer who would even think of being unequally yoked. Why would you marry someone that you can't even be reconciled on the most important thing in life, and that's salvation? How, how do you think you're going to raise children godly without it constantly being a struggle? That's why Jesus said, when we tell our kids, don't, you know, don't date unbelievers, the real thing we should be telling them is, what in your heart would want to marry someone who doesn't know Jesus? Not this is the rule. The minute you say this is the rule, you put them back under the authority of Satan. The law stands there and causes them to think about dating someone who's not saved. I mean, the minute that I would tell my son, you know, if you date someone who's not really sanctified and moving things of God, you need to bring her and let me set her free so she can be there. Then that's the first thing, that's the first thing he would think. I'm not taking her there. But if I don't say a word... And all this truth is in his heart, which is happening. And he's really found someone he's really uh, seriously about. He's 20. He calls me and says, Mom, you know, I know she was really rejected. And here's how she was rejected. I mean, all of that pouring in, all of that changing his heart. See, when he really is trained up in the things of God and he has a relationship with God, when it gets down to the rubber meets the road and lust isn't in charge of it, but he's thinking, wow, I'm really starting to like this person. How does she think about raising kids? How does she think about what would our life be? All of a sudden, he wants a Christian, born-again, spirit-filled woman. So I don't have to say. Now, at certain points, you may have to help them see what's in your heart. That's why I said, why would you want to date now? Why would you want to do this? You need to help them come to grab onto this because when we make it law you are the scriptures are clear in romans when you make it a law it will bring up every sin in them and they will try they can't they can't keep the law but it's more like why so i ask you know why why would you want to do drugs after you're saved why why would you need to and then you tear that down and find out why Satan still has authority there. And you're going to find out it's because of evil works in their mind. It's not because of the addiction. It's not because of how great it feels or how wonderful it is. It's because of a lie that if I don't do this, I can't handle things. It's all based on a lie. Satan's not big and bad. He's just a big liar. No wonder he's called the father of lies. No wonder the Bible says you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. What's it making you free from? A lie. The truth is making you free from a lie. No wonder the mind is so important. 21. You being hostile in your mind by evil works, he's now reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death. He had to die to bring you into friendship with God. I want you to get this. He didn't die to take away your sins. He died to bring you into friendship with God. And the only way he could bring you into friendship with God is to take away your sins. The change is that, folks, if you think he died for your sins, then you're wrong. Because that means he died because you were evil. And it's about what Satan did. Well, this is good. But if he died 
to bring you into friendship with God. He didn't die for your sins. He died for you. He died because he loved you. And the only way to bring you into the presence of a holy God was to take the sin nature of the devil and his kingdom out of the way. Oh, that's good. So everyone who's thinking, God died for my sins, God died for my sins, God died for my sins. No, God died for you. God died for you. God died to have a friendship with you. He went to the cross because he wants to have a friendship with you. And the only way that can be done because he's a holy God is to take care of the sin nature or the nature of Satan's friendship with you. That's why the Bible says to be a friend of the to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. Pick your friends. I pick Jesus. Then I let him pick all the rest. <laughs> See, but now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh, in his fleshly body as a human being, he paid the price so that you could be friends. Through his death, his horrible death, through what he went to, through to die, he went through all that so he could present you holy, without a blemish, and irreproachable before him. Wow. Now, he went to the cross, and he bled, and he died for the purpose of having a friendship with me. And that friendship would cause me to be holy and without blemish to stand before God one day. We have focused way too much on the sin and not on the whole truth of this great love. Don't ever question if he loves you. Now listen to this. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and not being moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard proclaimed in all the creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister, who now rejoices in my sufferings on your behalf and fill up in my flesh the thing lacking of the affliction of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the assembly. Okay, I'm not going to keep going. Keep going. Well, maybe I will. <laughs> of which I became a minister according to the ministration of God given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery having been hidden from the ages, from the generations, but now was revealed to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the nations, who is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, hang on to some of these terms because when I give you this revelation God gave me, you need, I'm showing you where the scriptures are before I give you the revelation. Whom we announce, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man full grown in Christ Jesus, for which I labor, struggling according to the working of Christ in me, who works in me with power. Okay, what he is saying here is the heart of a true, spirit-filled, full-of-God minister is to see Christ formed in you. It's, it's just reading the word, praying, seeking God, casting out demons, whatever you have to do 
so that that person gets a revelation of this friendship with Christ. And they begin to have the full knowledge and understanding of how awesome this is, how real this is, how deep this is. Making peace by the blood of his cross. His cross, what he suffered, made peace. It's the only peace you'll ever have. There was no peace before the cross and after the fall. To reconcile all things to himself. He was putting everything back in the proper order that God had already said it was going to be. And the beginning of reconciliation for the fallen world was the cross. The beginning of reconciliation for the fallen you is when you find the cross. It's the beginning of reconciliation. Everything getting back where it belongs. Through him, whether the things on the earth or the things in the heavens. Jesus Christ came to put everything in the earth back the way it's supposed to be. How the Father wants it. And you then being alienated and hostile in your mind by evil works. He's now reconciled you. So where does sin The sin nature is in you. What's sin nature? We talked about this before. It's after the fall, now Satan could get into man. Before he couldn't. Demons couldn't get into Adam and Eve before the fall. The sin nature means the very nature of the enemy can live in you now. And it is your mind where these works originate. That's why I'm telling you it's just a lie that keeps you bound. It's a lie that you have that causes you to commit sin. Hidden sins of masturbation. Blatant sins of rebellion and lying. Egotistical sins of haughtiness and pride. Self-righteousness. All of these originate in your mind. They're not because of someone else. They're because of thoughts that you took into your mind. And yes, a lot of them came there because of what the enemy did using someone. A lot of them came there just because of your little brain trying to figure things out. And you figured it out wrong. Some of it came there straight from religion. Straight from wrong teaching and preaching. But the bottom line is this. (laughs) It's your mind Not Satan. That's your own enemy. If you still are under the authority of Satan. Your own mind is what has made you Satan's pond. Your own mind is what will take you back to darkness. Your own mind is what will keep you sinning. Your own mind is what will continually attack you. No wonder we need the mind of Christ. No wonder the Bible says very clearly, renew your mind, renew your mind, renew your mind. What's renewing your mind? Reading the word and getting it in your mind. Letting it come in, not as something to read, but as truth itself. That's why it's so powerful when Jesus says that he is the word made flesh. His word has power, but not under the law, but in the spirit to come in, 
Because in this kingdom that we're in now, the rules and the laws are written on your heart. It's God inside of you, in your spirit, actually teaching you his ways. I believe with all my heart, if you have God in you, and they take your Bible from you, God would still be able, by the laws written in your heart, to cause you to do things the way that pleases God. How much greater to have the Bible to help guide us and seek the Lord. And see the things that are under the authority of Satan. So we can hate those things. But I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Once you find Christ. The only part of you. That really needs to change. Is your mind. It's that simple. You can't make it happen. You have to really get the lies out of your mind. By the word of God by the anointing on God's people, by whatever God does, however he shows you to get there. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Sanctification, setting you apart in the kingdom of God to be holy vessels who believe God more than they believe the enemy. <laughs> Devil hates this message. It takes it out of your hands and puts it in your head. And then it causes you to surrender your brain and your thinking to God. It says, um, because all the fullness was pleased to dwell in him, Colossians 1.20, and through Christ, making peace by the blood of his cross to reconcile all things to himself through him, whether the things on the earth, the things on the heavens, and you then being uh, hostile in your mind by evil works. Now, it's the evil works that Satan has done that has turned you against God and his ways. Okay, it's the evil works that have come into your life. It's the perversions that have turned you away from being able to believe God. Okay, but now there's a but now, but now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh. Let me look up the word reconciled because that keeps coming up. Sometimes when you go a little bit deeper, you get a you get a light bulb, you know? You kind of, oh, oh, reconciled. It's such a spiritual sounding word. To restore to friendship, to bring to a state of contentment, quiet submission, to make consistent and harmony, to remove those things that stop the harmony, the renewal of friendships between two parties. Oh, wow. So to be reconciled isn't about cleaning up all your sin. Jesus died not to get sin out of you. Jesus died so that you could become a friend to God. And the minute that you become born again and the Holy Spirit goes in you, you have been reconciled into a friendship with God and into a relationship with God. And the process of that relationship is sanctification, which will make you holy. Do you get that? It's your relationship with Jesus Christ that will cause you to become whole. He didn't die to heal you. He didn't die. He didn't go to the cross to get rid of sin. He didn't go to the, he didn't go to the cross because of Satan's authority and what Satan had done. He went to the cross 
so that he could have a relationship with you. And in the process of that relationship, as you fall in love with him, as you recognize you're in his kingdom, he sets you free for freedom's sake. The Bible says for freedom, he sets you free. He just wants you to keep your eyes on him. He wants you to want him. He wants you to fall in love with him. And what happens in that relationship is the Holy Spirit works in you to make you holy because he's holy. And the more time you spend with God, the more you seek after God, the more you fall in love with God, the more God takes away those things that you hate. And you begin to hate what he hates. You know, if you really fellowship with somebody and there's friendship with somebody, you, you kind of begin to come in agreement. You know, it'd be really hard to have a, a marriage where two people didn't agree on the basic things. So quit marrying because of lust, because then all you do is fight because there's no agreement even from the beginning. All that's about is sex. And usually that's a game. So the minute you're married, that's not even fun anymore because it's perverted. Won't get into all that. But the people you hang out with and really enjoy are people who agree with you and you agree with them. That's why the Bible says, how can you have fellowship with unbelievers? What's there to fellowship about? The more you truly get your eyes on Jesus, the more those friendships just go away. Because all of a sudden you're sitting in a room and you're not interested in what was on the soap opera. You don't care about uh, what they did at the bar last night. It's not like this stance, I can't be around you because you're evil and I'm not. It's more of a, I don't like being with you anymore. There is something very wrong in the heart of a believer who would even think of being unequally yoked. Why would you marry someone that you can't even be reconciled on the most important thing in life? And that's salvation. How, how do you think you're going to raise children godly without it constantly being a struggle? That's why Jesus said, when we tell our kids, don't, you know, don't date unbelievers, the real thing we should be telling them is, what in your heart would want to marry someone who doesn't know Jesus? Not this is the rule. The minute you say this is the rule, you put them back under the authority of Satan. The law stands there and causes them to think about dating someone who's not saved. I mean, the minute that I would tell my son, you know, if you date someone who's not really sanctified and moving things of God, you need to bring her and let me set her free so she can be there. Then that's the first, then that's the first thing he would think. I'm not taking her there. But if I don't say a word... And all this truth is in his heart, which is happening. And he's really found someone he's really uh, seriously about. He's 20. He calls me and says, Mom, you know, I know she was really rejected. And here's how she was rejected. I mean, all of that pouring in, all of that changing his heart. See, when he really is trained up in the things of God and he has a relationship with God, when it gets down to the rubber meets the road and lust isn't in charge of it, but he's thinking, wow, I'm really starting to like this person. How does she think about raising kids? How does she think about what would our life be? All of a sudden, he wants a Christian, born-again, spirit-filled woman. So I don't have to say. Now, at certain points, you may have to help them see what's in your heart. 
That's why I said, why would you want to date now? Why would you want to do this? You need to help them come to grab onto this. Because when we make it law, you are, the scriptures are clear in Romans. When you make it a law, it will bring up every sin in them. And they will try. They, can, they can't keep the law. But it's more like, why? Let's ask, you know, why, why would you want to do drugs after you're saved? Why? Why would you need to? And then you tear that down and find out why Satan still has authority there. And you're going to find out it's because of evil works in their mind. It's not because of the addiction. It's not because of how great it feels or how wonderful it is. It's because of a lie that if I don't do this, I can't handle things. It's all based on a lie. Satan's not big and bad. He's just a big liar. No wonder he's called the father of lies. No wonder the Bible says you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. What's it making you free from? A lie. The truth is making you free from a lie. No wonder the mind is so important. 21. You being hostile in your mind by evil works, he's now reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death. He had to die to bring you into friendship with God. I want you to get this. He didn't die to take away your sins. He died to bring you into friendship with God. And the only way he could bring you into friendship with God is to take away your sins. That changes it, folks. If you think he died for your sins, then you're wrong. Because that means he died because you were evil. And it's about what Satan did. This is good. But if he died to bring you into friendship with God, he didn't die for your sins. He died for you. He died because he loved you. And the only way to bring you into the presence of a holy God was to take the sin nature of the devil and his kingdom out of the way. Oh, that's good. So everyone who's thinking, God died for my sins, God died for my sins, God died for my sins. No, God died for you. God died for you. God died to have a friendship with you. He went to the cross because he wants to have a friendship with you. And the only way that can be done because he's a holy God is to take care of the sin nature or the nature of Satan's friendship with you. That's why the Bible says to be a friend of the, to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. Pick your friends. I picked Jesus. Then I let him pick all the rest. <laughs> but now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh. In his fleshly body as a human being, he paid the price so that you could be friends. Through his death, his horrible death, through what he went to, through to die, he went through all that so he could present you holy without a blemish, and irreproachable before him. Wow. Now, he went to the cross, and he bled, and he died 
for the purpose of having a friendship with me. And that friendship would cause me to be holy and without blemish to stand before God one day. We have focused way too much on the sin and not on the whole truth of this great love. Don't ever question if he loves you. Now listen to this. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and not being moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard proclaimed in all the creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister who now rejoices in my sufferings on your behalf and fill up in my flesh the thing lacking of the affliction of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the assembly. Okay, I'm not going to keep going. Keep going. Well, maybe I will. <laughs> of which I became a minister according to the ministration of God given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery having been hidden from the ages, from the generations, but now was revealed to his saints, to whom God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the nations, who is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, hang on to some of these terms, because when I give you this revelation God gave me, you need, I'm showing you where the scriptures are before I give you the revelation. Whom we announce, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man full grown in Christ Jesus, for which I labor, struggling according to the working of Christ in me, who works in me with power. Okay, what he is saying here is the heart of a true, spirit-filled, full-of-God minister is to see Christ formed in you. It's, it's just reading the word, praying, seeking God, casting out demons, whatever you have to do so that that person gets a revelation of this friendship with Christ. And they begin to have the full knowledge and understanding of how awesome this is, how real this is, how deep this is. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.